1: I wanted to let you know that I have another update for you at the end of today's episode, so keep listening right through to the end. In the meantime, I hope you enjoyed today's episode, which is coming up right now. Welcome to episode 80 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is Kent Beck. Kent is the founder and director of Three Rivers Institute. His career has combined the practice of software development with reflection, innovation, and communication. His contributions to software development include patterns for software, the rediscovery of test-first programming, and extreme programming. Kent has also authored multiple books, including Test-Driven Development by Example and Extreme Programming Explained. So Kent, can you expand on that brief introduction and tell us a little bit more about yourself? Well,
0: since that introduction, I spent The last seven years working at Facebook, starting in 2011 and ending in February of this year, and I spent most of my time there focused on the uh, engineering culture. So I did a lot of education, I did a lot of one-on-one coaching, a lot of writing, wrote and delivered courses for engineers, and tried to look at the culture as as a whole. Since February, I've been uh, gainfully uh, (laughs) self-unemployed.
1: I'm sure you've been keeping yourself busy in one way or another.
0: Oh, I really am.
1: (laughs) Um, So, Ken, can you maybe share a unique career tip with the IT Career Energizer audience, one they need to know and perhaps don't? So, it's easy to
0: treat software development as a production process where... There's some functionality, and the more quickly you can produce it, uh, the better you are. And I think that it's an understandable mistake, but a fairly large mistake. I prefer to look at software development as a learning process that throws off running software as a byproduct. If you do that, you'll learn to do your job better and better over time, and those improvements compound on each other. So even a a small change in learning trajectory results in a large change in productive capacity or something like that, if you have made a habit of that for for years.
1: So can can you maybe tell us about your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience? Yeah, probably
0: the first time I was fired was a real low point. I'd kind of gotten into my head what I thought the job was. I thought I was doing the job, and I really wasn't paying attention to the feedback I was getting, and so it was a real, um, real wake-up call when I was told that um, my uh, services were no longer required.
1: Was there a particular reason that happened?
0: I got into my own head. I said, ah, here's the job, I'm doing this job. That was much more important to me than what the team as a whole was trying to accomplish. And I did my job as I saw it. It just wasn't what the person signing the checks cared about.
1: Do, do you feel you learned anything from that experience in particular? Yeah, I think checking
0: in with, you know, kind of like I, I just did with you, checking in and saying, it's okay, I did this thing. I thought it was in the right direction. What do you think? Yeah. And I made a, a habit of that ever since. So you'll hear me. If you like listen to me give a, a talk with question and answer, I almost always will say, "Does that answer your question?" After I give an answer, because I wanna, I know, I want to know, and so, sometimes I'm wildly often. Sometimes I, have got it.
1: Yep. So that, that sort of continual feedback process helps you actually deliver the right result.
0: It well, it's better. It, it, It helps me deliver the wrong result for a briefer period.
1: Right. Okay. Okay. So moving away from your worst IT career moment, can you maybe tell us about your career highlight or greatest success? Right
0: at the beginning of my career, I stumbled into a relationship with Ward Cunningham, who would go on to invent the wiki. And... It was really a mentor-student relationship uh, at first. It developed over time and gave me a lot of confidence in my abilities and convinced me that there were times that I had something to say. It also convinced me there were times when uh, other people had something to say that I needed to listen to. And we did a, a lot of but like a string of, of very creative, interesting projects without a lot of centralized direction from anybody. I don't know what my career would have been like if I hadn't had that uh, happen early on.
1: Yeah, it sounds like you had quite a close relationship in terms of being both a mentor and a colleague. Uh, he, he was the mentor to me. Yes.
0: And yes, we were we were very close. As with any relationship like that, as it evolves, it becomes difficult. I mean, it it becomes impossible to maintain in the same kind of way. So we worked very closely for probably two or three years and then really have gone our separate ways since then. We see each other from time to time. Our kids played racquetball together and – so we would, you know, the, we would encounter each other a bit, but our technical careers have really been separate since
1: then. Sure. Do you feel that was a foundation of many of the things you went on to do subsequently?
0: Yeah, I think, for example, this this habit of checking in started very much with the work that I did with Ward. So we would, we would spend a few hours maybe programming something, and then we would go have a coffee and uh, talk about... Not just the content that we'd worked on, but the process that we'd used for it. We also had that sort of retrospective feedback at the level of minutes. Like, did we used four keystrokes to make that change. Is there a three keystroke version of that? Oh, so we were constantly optimizing everything from the micro, micro, the motions, time, like time and motion stuff, all the way up to how does this fit into society?
1: So can can you maybe tell us what excites you about the future of the IT industry and careers in IT in particular? I'm not sure I'm excited. Let me think about that. (laughs) Um,
0: Things are definitely going to change radically. So some sources of that. One is I've begun working with um, engineers in Central Africa. And there's a huge pool of unbelievably good engineering talent in Africa that hasn't been tapped. When that starts to become productive, the world of programming is going to take a big jump up. It's a it's a billion people, relatively few of whom, percentage wise, even have had the chance to be programmers. Yeah, and now they're getting an opportunity. So th- that certainly excites me. On a more technical front, I think I think it's possible for large-scale collaboration to happen in a way that hasn't been possible. But we're going to have to confront some of our hidden assumptions about what goes into collaboration, both technically, for example, the pull request, code review, merge, deploy model, I think, is, is starting to run out of steam yep. and we're going to have to find ways of, of having finer-grained commits and quicker path to production, better feedback from production. But also, the we're going to have to confront some of the limitations of the social structures that we've built around programming. Where <clears throat> people with certain backgrounds, uh, certain genetic makeup, have a sense of privilege and it d- doesn't line up with actual ability. Sure. So, we're going to have to find ways of building and maintaining teams and teamwork across a, a greater variety of thinking styles and cultural backgrounds and so on. So I think there's there's a lot there and things have the potential to change a lot. Things also have the, the potential to just kind of stagnate if people think, oh, we've got this solved.
1: Yep, very true. So you think there's certainly um, sort of an increase in the, in the trend of diversity? You see that as something that's going to continue? It
0: might, or it might not. The uh, pale males might uh, assert their control of the situation, and the and the whole that whole thing falls apart. I, it's not what I want. Yeah, I think the world has big problems. Engineers and software engineers can be part of addressing those problems, and we don't have near enough engineers to throw away five, six of the world's engineering talent just because it happens to be female or have melanin in its skin.
1: Okay, we're going to move into the reveal round now. We'll find out a little bit more about you. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? Uh,
0: My dad was an electrical engineer and then a programmer. And when he gave me my first book about BASIC, uh, I was like remembering. It was not like learning. It was just like, oh, yeah, 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 no, that's how that works. Yep, yep, yep. So it was really, really a natural thing for me to do.
1: Sure. So you you felt, or well, you found the logic behind it quite straightforward. It just worked with the way you think. Yes. I mean, I also
0: worked very hard. I was I was that kid who would take home a microprocessor manual and just read it over and over again and memorize the instruction encodings, even though I didn't really quite understand what was going on. Uh, I was just obsessed with the topic. So. It's hard to tell whether that was some kind of inborn talent, and and what of it we can just attribute to OCD.
1: What is the best career advice you've ever received?
0: Hmm, I'm not
1: much of an advice taker, <laughs> <laughs> so I think I'm going to pass on that one. It's funny. I mean, you you say that one of the I think maybe the very first person I had on this podcast guy called John Somers, he said the best piece of advice he, he could give was to ignore every piece of advice you ever receive. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so. yeah, well, I, I definitely have a natural talent for that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, if you were to begin your IT career again right now, what would you do? It, it's
0: back to this, treat it as a learning process. Act as if you haven't graduated from school. This is just your next class, and you're going to treat it as a learning process. And when the class is over and you've learned the lessons, you're going to go to a different class. So you'll try a variety of, of different activities, different programming languages, front-end, back-end, with ops, without ops. The more diversity you get in your learning, the more chance you have for the cross-fertilization between the lessons you learn. And that's where the real leverage point comes.
1: And what career objectives are you currently focusing on yourself?
0: Yeah, How personal do I want to be? Um, (laughs) So uh, uh, post a divorce, I need to refill my coffers. I heard some wonderful advice from uh, one of my African acquaintances, which was don't chase money. Chasing money is like chasing a cat. You can't catch the cat. But if you chase the things that cats like, then the cat will come to you. So I want to not like, oh, you know, I'm just going to maximize the amount of money I make. No, but it is important to me. My focus is on longer term relationships, especially with large scale. software development. I think that's that's something I have now a a lot of experience with, and I have some ideas that aren't widely shared. So that's a focus. Uh, I'm also going to do uh, individual coaching because I received the benefits of that uh, as a young engineer. And I think, again, with this production model where senior engineers are just trying to produce as much code, it's much more highly leveraged to produce better engineers than any amount of code that you could write. So I'm I'm going to spend my time doing that. But I'm also in a career exploration mode where I'm trying art and music and different audiences for the things that I have to say, whether... Am I Do I have the most leverage speaking to a very geeky audience or to a more business audience? I really don't know at this point. So I'm trying lots of little experiments.
1: And what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far?
0: Through dint of a lot of hard work, I come to a place of compassion more quickly than a lot of people seem to. So if somebody is doing something that doesn't make any sense to me, I'll get annoyed just like anybody else. But pretty quickly, I start to try to see the situation from their perspective. And I think that's a powerful habit. So I was just in a tough negotiation. And the other party was just like, why could they possibly be behaving this way? And then I thought, oh, well, you know, they've made a commitment to somebody else. They try and get me to agree to something I said I wouldn't agree to because they've already made a commitment. Well, that would make sense. Okay. So I don't have to change my position, but it's very helpful for me to be able to see the situation from the other person's perspective.
1: Can can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT Career Energizer audience?
0: A learning works better in a community. So it can be easy for like the stereotypical programmer to go off and work on something alone. And that's also my impulse. But I know through lots of experience that I learn faster. I learn better if I share that learning experience with somebody else.
1: And finally, what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect with you?
0: Kentbeck.com. I finally got it that'll let you know what I'm up to, what I've written recently. Yeah. Wh- where I'll be speaking, that kind of stuff.
1: Great. Kent, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Oh,
0: my pleasure. Thank you so much.
1: Hi, Phil here again. As mentioned at the start of today's episode, I've got another update for you. But before that, a quick thank you to Kent for sharing his advice and experience in today's episode. As usual, as usual, you can find a show notes page for today's episode on the IT Career Energizer website at itcareerenergizer.com slash e80. My guest on next week's show is Michael Bolton, who is co-author of Rapid Software Testing, so another great episode coming up. It's now 14 days until the IT Career Energizer podcast moves to its new schedule of three episodes per week, and the official launch of the podcast Facebook group, which I'll be telling you more about on 5th of November. In addition to these two previously announced changes, I'm also going to be introducing new types of episodes which are more focused on roles, technologies, methodologies, career skills and so on. The intention is to broaden the podcast range of episodes and to provide you with even more value. These new types of episodes will start to be introduced after the 100th episode. Thanks for listening through to the end of today's episode. Until next Monday, have a great week. Thanks
0: for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.